Good morning. Welcome to Church Cedar Valley. We are super excited you are here joining with us online this morning. And if this is one of your first times joining with us, a special welcome to you. We are so excited you are here. We would love to get to know you better. And right now, one of the best ways to stay in contact, up to date, informed of all the different stuff kind of going on is by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or heading over to our website, cedarvalley.ca, signing up for our email newsletter. And that way we can just kind of get to know who you are. We can let you know what we're about, what kind of stuff we're doing these days. This morning, we are also doing our in-person worship services happening at the church. If you weren't able to make that, don't worry, don't fret. We have created an online service just especially for you. So we are really excited to provide that. There might be a little bit less action happening on the stream this morning, but still continue to engage. We're really excited. And you might even be just joining this later in the week, kind of recapping on what's going on. It's the same stuff happening between the two services. So you're not missing a beat. And, and while we do have this in-person service happening this morning, we're not doing it every week. This is only happening once a month, the first Sunday of each month going on because our priority and our plan to really develop uh, worship and prayer, uh, create community and discipleship is gonna happen through small, bubbled, missional neighborhood groups. And many of you are already meeting Sunday mornings like that. You've invited a few friends or some family over to join in on this online church stream. You're engaging in the material together. We've added, we started adding some questions. Uh, starting next week, we're gonna have a special segment to help engage group discussion and dialogue because what we would love is to focus the vision and values of Cedar Valley Church through all of these small, mini churches meeting at people's homes all throughout the city here in Mission. So that is our main goal. And tonight, this evening, we have a special uh, presentation that's coming out. So stay tuned for that about small groups, how to get involved, how to run them, what it's gonna look like. So stay tuned for that. That's gonna come out Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, newsletter, whatever, all the different sources, you'll find it. But what we're really hoping is that all of you will be able to find a way, uh, somebody who's nearby you, somebody you could invite over, somebody you could go over to join in. And for the other three, four Sundays in a month to engage on these online services together, build community that way. And when we start doing community initiative projects, stuff like that, it'll be something that you can pray, prayerfully discern how to influence your exact neighborhood with the mission and gospel news of Jesus Christ. We're gonna open up this morning with just a word of prayer. So join me in that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence, wherever we're at, God, for the services that are happening this morning. God, I just pray you bless those as it's new. It feels new again, God. It's novel. That's so exciting, but it's been a while. So we're doing three services this morning, God. I just pray that you energize the volunteers as they're serving, God, but also for everyone who's joining with us online and the effort that went into providing that service. But God, for people who are engaging safely in their homes, that you are present with them, God, that they're not missing a beat. They're not missing out on anything because your spirit is with them there too. So we thank you for that, God. We praise you for that. We specifically think of some health concerns going on this week, God, for some loss that we've experienced. God, that you are just able to heal us emotionally where we're hurting because of this, God, that you are able to heal us physically. Those who are in the hospital right now, God, those who have uh, test results that are scary sounding, that you can provide miraculous healing. But God, out of all that, we just pray that your name is glorified, that your great power of healing, your miraculous ability of love and grace and truth shines in all of these situations, God, happening here in our church community. And you know those things better than we know what's going on. So we lift all that up in your name. But God, I just pray too for this morning, um, what's been offered up uh, financially, prayerfully given to this church, that you just bless it and multiply it, God. And thank you for the continued support of Cedar Valley 
church, that God, you are working through us in the city here of mission and internationally. So we pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, we're going to get the service going in just a minute here. We're going to be doing a couple songs of worship that our team has recorded. Uh, there's going to be lyrics on the screen, so join in however you feel comfortable with that. Afterwards, Pastor Doug is bringing us a special uh, lesson for the kids, which is going to be really excited. So stay tuned for that, kids, if you're watching from home. Following that, Pastor Rob is continuing along in our series called Road Trip, where we're just looking as a church what the future holds for us, how we're gonna get there, how we're gonna face different obstacles. Today, we're talking about what the bumpy ride it has been, and it's gonna continue to be a little bit bumpy there, but how we can overcome some of these challenges, how we already have overcome some of these challenges, and what it's gonna look like, the stuff we're facing. So we're really excited for that this morning. But before we head into all that, if you are watching live at home, head over to the comment section of Facebook, or YouTube and answer this question. So a little bit of a spoiler for the message that Pastor Doug is bringing us. He's talking about smells and not like th that we can smell, but like we get stinky sometimes, especially kids like we're, you know, I'm a youth pastor here. We've got some 12, 13 year olds and like you guys stink sometimes, right? So Pastor Doug is using that as imagery to bring a uh, story in the Bible to life a little bit better. I'm really excited, but I'm gonna leave that to him because I won't spoil anything else. My question for you is, in the comment section, let's just get a little bit of dialogue going this morning. What is one of your go-to smells, like the scents, right? Like something that you use to cover up, you know, the body odor or whatever it is, deodorant, perfume, however it goes. Uh, what's the name of it, right? Cause there's some really fun names about it. My go-to smell is Wolfthorn by Old Spice. Cause how cool is that name? Is that too personal of a question? No, that's fine. What's your go-to deodorant or perfume smell name? Share that online. Thanks for joining us this morning, Cedar Valley. See you later. Cedar Valley, good morning. Welcome to church. Please join with us as we worship.
Hey, Cedar Valley kids. It is great to see you this morning. I have a question for you. Do you smell? Now, not does your nose work really good, can you smell good, but if someone to were to walk past you, what would they smell? Now, if you've been outside playing in the hot sun and sweating and you come inside, yeah, there would probably be an odor. Or if you've forgotten some stinky gym socks in your backpack, yikes, yeah, that's gonna smell for sure. But if you maybe just had a bath, well, you would smell a whole lot better. See, our bodies have an odor to them. That's just the way it is. And sometimes we use different fragrances to help cover that odor up. Now, in men, often guys will use something called cologne, but women usually use something different. I have something here for you to see, take a look at, and hopefully you can see that there. Do you know what this is? That's right, it's a bottle of perfume, and it's not very big, and it says eternity on it, and this little bottle of perfume is very expensive. Now, the good thing is that all it takes is one little spray and you get the fragrance of this and it lasts a long time. Now, this is Jenny's favorite perfume and I love the way it smells on her. Did you know that in the Bible, there's a story about perfume right in the Bible. That's right. In John chapter 12, we read that Jesus was invited out to dinner. The man who invited him, his name was Simon, and he lived in a town called Bethany. And we're told that Jesus was the guest of honor. And they're all sitting around the table, and the food is good, and they're having a great time right in the middle of this great dinner party and Jesus, Jesus is the honored guest, very quietly, a woman enters the room and her name is Mary. And you know what? She went past everybody else and she came right up to Jesus. Now, when people approached Jesus, usually it was because they wanted something. Often, people wanted Jesus to do a miracle, like maybe heal someone from their family who was really sick, or maybe to give them something. Because Jesus could, because he's God. But you know what? Mary didn't want anything. She wanted to give Jesus something. And so maybe she had a bag over her shoulder, and maybe she reached in, but anyways, it says in John chapter 12, that she pulls out a jar of perfume. This was very costly perfume. Now, this one here, that I like it when Jenny sprays on, it costs about $100. That's a lot. But like I said, just one little spray, so it lasts a long time. The bottle of perfume that Mary had, it cost about $50 thousand dollars. It costs more than one person would make if they worked a whole year at a job. 
And she came up to Jesus and it says that she broke it open so maybe there was some kind of a seal on it. And she didn't just spritz a little bit or put a little dab. She started to pour the whole thing. And it ran down on Jesus' head, along his hair, and down his neck and shoulders, and maybe a little bit at the front of his face. And she kept on pouring, and it went down across his shoulders, all the way down to his feet. And then she finished, finished it off by pouring the rest of it on his feet. What was incredible. And then she did something that I think surprised everybody who was sitting around the table. That she got down on her knees and she started, and she must have had really long hair because when she got down on her knees, it says that she wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. And then all of a sudden, everybody around the table, it says they were indignant. Well, that means they were like really angry. They were outraged at what was happening. Not because she was kneeling down and wiping Jesus' feet with her hair, but because they said, you're wasting such expensive perfume. And Jesus says, hey, stop that. I don't want you talking like that. He says, she gave me a beautiful, beautiful gift. For it says when she poured this over him, the whole room had this beautiful aroma to it from this very, very expensive perfume. And he also said that people are going to remember what she did for me always. And they're going to talk about this. So I was thinking... What is it that is something really special you can give to Jesus? Now, Mary did this for Jesus because she loved him so much. And you know what? She wanted to say thank you because Jesus was so wonderful. So maybe in a little bit, maybe you can talk with your parents about something special, maybe even costly, that you could give to Jesus and how you could do that. And they'll help you figure out what you could do. But you come up with an idea of something, a way that you can show Jesus how much you love him and thankful for who he is by doing something special, maybe even if it's costly. So thanks so much for listening and we will see you again next week. Bye for now. Hey, Cedar Valley. Uh, we're in a topical learning teaching series, which we are calling Road Trip. Road Trip, because we as a church are heading out on a collective spiritual adventure. We're looking at who we are, where we think God is calling us, how we might get there, and who will help us get there. Or more specifically, we'll be diving into vision, mission, and value statements to see if they align with who we are and what we're doing. We'll be exploring our current structure of governance, fun, 
to see if we can make it more efficient or effective or if it needs changing. And then we'll be doing some work towards the hiring of the next lead pastor at Cedar Valley Church. But we got off to a pretty bumpy start. I was hired as your transitional pastor simultaneous to the beginning of an unprecedented global pandemic. Super bad timing, but we have persevered and you have been faithful with your prayers and your support. We spent the last six months pivoting our discipleship and ministry life around COVID-19. We have moved our Sunday morning worship experience online to what we're calling church at home. We have discipled through the week with online devotionals and midweek follow-ups. We continue to post through the week to keep in touch, but also to ask some thoughtful, relevant questions around our faith lives, all of which we are calling faith at home. We met safely and in person to wrap up Awana and preschool and youth ministries and a number of small groups for the 2019-2020 ministry year. We met at Griner Park through the summer on Tuesday nights, what we called COVID Cafe minus coffee, just relationship. And we did that for discussion and for prayer. And we hosted an online children's books reading series each Sunday night through the summer, read by staff and by Bible Adventures teachers, capped off by a reading by our own preschool director, Dee, of her own published book. Like, well done, Dee. We have also continued to serve our community where and when we have been able to during this season, working at MCC or the cottage or even riding your bike, Mr. Colton Unger for MCC World Relief, helping out at St. Joseph's Food Bank, sorting food and stocking shelves there and serving meals at Hope Central to hurting folks who live on our city streets. And I'm sure that's not all of it, actually. And as we were reminded last Sunday, we continue to support our international ministry partners, including Pam Hoogie, but also John and Sue Chalkis of Seeds of Hope Ministries, and Juan Carlos and Elizabeth Jimenez of Light of the World Ministries, who we're going to be interviewing on consecutive Sundays to come. We open this teaching series, Road Trip, with a pair of messages we called Packing Up, making ourselves ready for this road trip. We talked about the challenges of closure and change. If you missed them, I'd encourage you to take them in on our website at www.cedarvalley.ca to give you some context for this series and where we're at as a church. Just go to the Church Online tab, which you'll see on our website, Click it and scroll down. You'll find there are most recent teachings. In packing up, we talked about change that happens to us and change that we create. Change as a consequence of COVID-19 and change as intentional towards becoming a healthier church. 
I'd like to do a little deeper dive into those two ideas over the next two Sundays. Change is, change is always challenging, either way. But it seems even harder when it's forced upon us, as it has been during these days of COVID-19. It's been a bumpy ride. So let me ask you, how are you doing? What are you doing to survive and to thrive through this pandemic? The Gospels tell the story of Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The crowds lining the shore while Jesus taught from a boat because there's so many people on land. Anchored just offshore was Jesus. It was evening and our Lord had finished a long day of healing and teaching. So he instructed his disciples to cross the lake. We suspect that lake is Lake Tiberias by boat to the other side, functionally just to rest. And so they did, they headed out onto the lake. And so he did, Jesus rested. Here, here's the story as it's told in the Gospel of Matthew, though it's told in all of the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, if you want to follow along, here are the references for the other um, accounts of the same story in the other Gospels. But in Matthew, here we go. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus, somehow, was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up, did Jesus, and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Indeed, what kind of man is Jesus? If you're reading the story on your own or with some other people at home or in a coffee shop or, or wherever you might meet friends to talk about such things, how, how would you go about understanding and applying this scripture? In the spirit of faith at home, where we as staff are trying to come alongside you to connect personally with you and to encourage you in your faith all seven days of the week, let me answer this question in a way that might act as a kind of faith at home training. Here, here's what I would do if I was unpacking it. Here's what I did for today even. First, I read the passage several times and sometimes in different English versions. Secondly, I look for repeated words to see if there is a focus or a theme that the writer is developing. Thirdly, I start to get curious and I ask questions of the text. Questions like, in this case, how can a storm come up all of a sudden? Did Jesus see it coming? How could he have been sleeping? Why did the disciples wake Jesus to help them? Why did they say, Lord, save us, we're gonna drown? What did Jesus mean when he responded, you have little faith? And then maybe finally I'd ask, what did Jesus want his disciples to learn from this little field trip on the lake? For having asked those questions, what 
I go look for answers using language tools and commentaries and dictionaries and things like that, which can all be found online for the most part. Two of my favorite websites, by the way, if you're keeping notes, are Bible Hub, Bible Hub, all one word, dot com, and studylight.org. So Biblehub.com and studylight.org. And then finally, uh, I ask other people their thoughts on this particular passage or the passage I'm into at the time. So let's get to it. Let's do this together. Evidently, answering these questions in sequence. The Sea of Galilee is susceptible to sudden storms because it is situated in a basin surrounded by mountains. So hot sea air meets with cold mountain in the air and, and like, and there you have it, storm front. This is like grade seven geography. Did Jesus see it coming? Maybe. But given Luke's account of the same story, it's most likely that Jesus nodded off almost immediately as they were heading out on the lake when it was quiet before the storm came up, which might explain actually why he was sleeping when the storm did come up. Others have postulated Jesus sleeping as a comparison to Jonah, who, if you remember the story, also slept on another boat at another time, who was thrown off that boat to calm those winds and waves at that time, who then acts like a, a story figure for Jewish audiences who points to Jesus calming the winds and the waves on his own, not being thrown overboard, but by taking charge. Others have explained Jesus sleeping as a nod to his humanity, and then others, his divinity. I, I'm inclined to think that all three explanations are at work in this story. Jesus is fully human, so after a long day of healing a lot of folks and teaching more, he needed to rest, understandably. I know that after I teach on a Sunday morning, I go home and I just crash, I nap. But Jesus is also fully God, so he has command over what he has created. Or as the Apostle Paul so beautifully puts it in his letter to the church at Colossae, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, we read, For by him, Jesus, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Indeed, what kind of man is Jesus. It's a good guess that the disciples knew what they were doing that day on the lake. A number of them uh, were seaworthy fishermen after all, but they were scared to death. They were afraid of drowning. So we might wonder, why did Jesus say to them, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Or as Mark puts it in his gospel, do you still not have faith? In him, Jesus, or as Luke puts it, where is your faith? Well, it's not because they didn't have any faith, but maybe because they were in the boat with Jesus, but maybe it was because they had too little of it in that moment. They weren't living by it. Their fear displacing their faith. Maybe they let their fears build to being bigger than the God-man they had in the boat with them. 
Because it's kind of easy to say that we have faith in God when times are good, right? It's when times are tough that we see the measure of our faith, how big or how little it is. Which makes me wonder about something else. What would bigger faith have looked like for these disciples in the boat at that time? I think after just seeing Jesus perform a series of miracles, disciples with bigger faith would have either rode out the storm without waking Jesus because they would have this knowledge. They would know their faith exercised that he would take care of them regardless. Or they, they might have woke Jesus up, but with a lot less panic, right? Maybe saying something like, hey, Jesus, um, sorry to bother you uh, while you're sleeping there. And let me just say, solid sleeping skills. It's a pretty bad storm. Um, do you want us to do something or do you, have, do you have any ideas? What did the disciples learn that day? I think the answer to that question is in their own question. What kind of man is this? I think they were reminded that Jesus is the one and only God-man who is worthy of their complete exercised faith that in the end they didn't need to fear anything because God was with them. So how might we, Jesus' disciples today, apply this story to our lives? Let me ask you a couple questions here to get at that. Have you ever, have you ever felt like God was asleep to your needs? And then Consider this too, perhaps, what physical or professional or relational or spiritual storms are you going through right now? And then this question, wrapping them all up, and I want you to take a little time. I'm even going to give you a little time to think about it online. What is our Lord saying to you today in this story? How does it intersect your life? Here's what I think it's saying to me. I'm in your boat. There's no need to be afraid. But this is, uh, this is super hard to remember, difficult to live by, as it was for the disciples in our story today, when the waves come crashing in, waves of COVID induced anxiety or cynicism or depression or dryness or exhaustion, which are normal feelings for a time like this. So the last of the questions, well, maybe not the last, we'll see. What can we do to remember that God is in our boat? Really simply and fundamentally, I'm going to ask you to consider two things, and then you can share your own thoughts with each other. First of them is listen to God. Listen to God. These verses from the books of 
um, Psalms and the letter, the book of Psalms and the letter to the Philippians have been super helpful for me from the beginning of this pandemic as it's related to managing my own anxiety around the uncertainty of these days and the losses. They're on my phone, so I go to them regularly. I'm just going to read them to you. You can locate them if you want because I'll give you the addresses in the Bible for them, but it might be as, 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 um, as good just to listen in and be encouraged by them. And I'm reading from the message. This is one of those English versions that I like to go to periodically to hear uh, and get a sense of God speaking to me in a slightly different tone, slightly different voice. So in Psalm 29, verse 11, from the message, God makes his people strong. God gives his people peace. Second one from Psalm 34, verse 4. God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious thoughts. And then this two verses from Philippians, uh, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I've spent a lot of time camped here. And it leads into our next point. Don't fret or worry, parenthetically, because you don't need to. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. This is one way our Lord speaks to me, to us, in those things that he has already told us in his word, the Bible, I continue to learn how to live in these promises and to exercise my faith based on his word to me. Second, then leading into and out of the last, talk to God. Talk to God. Listen to God. Talk to God. Author and Christian Anne Lamott says there's really only three prayers to make, and they are help, thanks, and wow, I like this a lot. Actually, I've been praying this way on and off for years. For example, in the context of this teaching, I have prayed, help me, Lord. I'm feeling anxious right now, shaping my worries into prayer. And then that peace that surpasses, that displaces worry, floods and helps me through so that I would say, thank you, Lord, for giving me a peace that surpasses that understanding. And then, wow, Lord, you, you still calm the winds and the waves. So how are you doing? And what are you doing to survive and to thrive through this pandemic? Are you listening to God? Are you talking to God? This, in part, is what our story is reminding us to do through these troubled times. Nothing new or revolutionary, perhaps, but maybe just a simple reminder. I'll leave it there for you to think about and to talk about with others. No doubt you have your own questions and your own reflections. Here, then, are our questions for group discussion. Let me close in prayer as you think on these things. 
Father, it's, it's a strange sort of relationship uh, for us to get our heads around sometimes that the very one who we think isn't hearing us is who we are encouraged to go to. And that, I think, is very much part of exercising faith. I know for me, Father, that when I do that, I always find you faithful, though I don't always, if I'm being super honest with you, feel that way. So I pray that um, just as I say I, I, I love you, and I know that I love you, as I would say to my wife Jackie, I love you, and I know that I love you, that it become this, it, it, it continues to be this habit of listening to you, what you've told me, what you are telling me, where, are you, where you are pushing and encouraging and comforting and providing peace, and me reaching out and asking for help, thanking you that it comes and just worshiping you that it does. I pray that for all of us through this season, which is proving our faith, its littleness or its bigness. May we persevere with you. In Jesus' powerful and precious name I pray. Amen. God bless Cedar Valley.